missing every other word. You've got to talk into the mic. Well, I can't make love to a bush. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. <gasps> Do you hear that, Steve? That's a swell of music. Oh that means I get to sing. Late seating, late seating. We've got a movie to review. Late seating, late seating for you. Late seating, late seating. It's great to pontificate. Late seating, late seating to you. We watch a classic movie whose rep is good or bad. And even if the flick is awful, it's the best time we've ever had. So late seating, late seating. Who do we think we are? Late seating, late seating for you and you and you and you. Watch this, Steve. Take it, Steve. No. everybody that <laughs> musical number kind of explained what we do on this show right steve i think it did quite a, a, a swell job but just in case you didn't catch the lyrics on this show we take a classic movie and we give it a fresh review to see if it lives up to its reputation whether that reputation is good or bad and this time around the movie's reputation that we're taking on is almost universally good isn't it steve yeah pretty much everybody seems to really like this one they call it the ultimate movie musical yeah and it's yes. influenced are far and wide in musicals and other musicals <laughs> and movies <laughs> I guess yeah and movies and music videos yeah. and Michael Jackson stuff I think yeah. in there somewhere sure. what what movie could possibly influence so much music shit <laughs> it's it's that classic movie musical singing in the rain <gasps> singing in the rain yeah I mean they kind of give it away in the title I don't know I keep pretending like it's a surprise. I just fucking sang a song. <laughs> and we, we told him we were doing yeah. it in the last episode, too. I've known for two weeks. <laughs> Maybe it's the Alzheimer's. Who are you again, Donnie? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Singing in the Rain, the classic musical that everybody knows at least the name of. People are aware of the existence of the movie, right, Steve? I would say pretty much everybody by age, like, seven mm -hmm. or eight, is aware that it exists. <laughs> And not surprisingly, since this isn't either of our favorite genre, neither Steve and I had seen it. So not only are you getting a fresh review of a really old movie, but you're getting a super fresh take on our opinions of something we'd never seen before. All we had was the hype, right? <laughs> That's right. This is going to be a hot take. Our grandmas told us how great this movie was. Oh, God. And we were like, Grandma, we don't think your taste in the movie is really good. <laughs> no, it's really good. And then we're going to watch Ishtar. No, Grandma, I don't want to. <laughs> Granny, please, I love you, but shut up about Donald O'Connor, okay? Just fucking eat your peas and be quiet. <laughs> Just shut up. I will never visit the home again. <laughs> <laughs> you grab the nurse in the hallway. What did I tell you about letting her watch movies? I told you, don't let her watch those old movies. <laughs> you know what? All of our paths on this show lead to a dark place, Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it is the darkness that waits to unfold us all. Which makes me wonder if we were qualified to review this 
fucking happy movie. We're, I guess we're we're gonna find out pretty soon, aren't we? Yep. Okay, you ready to do the who? What the hell? Who made this thing? Let's do it. All right. Singing in the Rain was directed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan, produced by Arthur Freed, screenplay by Betty Comden and Adolph Green, who also did the story. And it stars Gene Kelly as Don Lockwood, Debbie Reynolds as Kathy Selden, Donald O'Connor as Cosmo Brown, Gene Hagen as Lena Lamont, Mildred Mitchell as R.F. Simpson, Millard, not Mildred, Millard. I'm sorry, Millard, you're real dead, but I'm sorry that I called you Mildred. I know your generation, you'd take umbrage. Um, Sid Charisse... <laughs> Sid Charisse, who's the lady in the Broadway melody sequence in the movie, she has no name. She's just there to dance all sexy. Did you know that her sexy dance and his got a whole bunch of Christian people all upset? I did. They insisted that they cut the film wow. when she's all wrapped around him and stuff. I and they're didn't like, know that. oh, that's like sex, knock it off, take it out. <laughs> that makes us feel too good. <laughs> Douglas Fowley as Roscoe Dexter. Rita Moreno as Zelda Zanders. I don't even remember seeing her. She's she's sort of there in a few Oh, scenes. you know what? She's the one that rats out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uncredited. King Donovan as Rod. Judy Langdon as Olga Mara. Madge Blake as Dora Bailey. Kathleen Freeman as Phoebe Dinsmore. Bobby Watson as the diction coach. Jimmy Thompson as the singer of Beautiful Girl. Mae Clark as the hairdresser. Music by Lenny Hayton. Songs, music, Nacio Herb Brown, and lyrics, Arthur Freed. Cinematography by Harold Ronson. Edited by Adrian Fazan. The production company was Metro-Golden-Mayer, distributed by Lowe's Inc. It was released in New York on March 27, 1952. And then it got its wide United States release on April 11, 1952. Running time, 103 minutes. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you for not being like other musicals musical <laughs> just get in sing and dance and get the hell out get the hell out and keep smiling put the vaseline on your teeth and hoof it <laughs> we ain't got all day okay just do your little dance and let's get the shit out of here come on well you know what we're like we're like old broadway producers <laughs> just sing the damn song and get off so that people can applaud yeah, you have three shows to do today you're gonna lose them if you dance for too long <laughs> Raise the girl's skirts up. Kick a little higher. There you go. That's right. It's not doity. It's dancing. It's art. <laughs> it's art. <sighs> okay. Budget, $2.5 Box office, $12.4 So it made its money back there. The producer's calling me to tell me to not review this. <laughs> Stop making how. fun of our beloved film. They're, they're using a ghost phone. <laughs> <laughs> One of those afterlife phones from the Twilight Zone. <laughs> What? A telephone wire fell on Arthur Freed's grave. and You know what? I put out a message to everyone on in the world that I am recording a podcast right now and that they should not be calling. <laughs> you would think they'd respect me. So uh, before we dive in to this musical, do you have anything that you would like to add? Any trivia or anything like that? Uh, just one. Was this another one of your father's favorite films? You've said it twice. <laughs> this was my father's real favorite film. <laughs> You don't talk about my father. Um, no, actually. 
My father liked many films and you don't talk about them. <laughs> um, well, it's not necessarily about this film specifically, but one of the stars of the film, Donald O'Connor, uh, yeah. went on a few years after this to uh, play Buster Keaton in the film The Buster Keaton Story, which is a, complete, a completely historically inaccurate and not really all that great. Here, <laughs> I, I have a litmus test for that. In the Buster Keaton story, was he a fall-down drunk? <laughs> Actually, in the movie, he wasn't so much, no. No, there you go. Weird. <laughs> Here's some fun thing about uh, Donald O'Connor. You know the uh, make him laugh thing, where he's doing all that stuff, dancing and make him laugh and doing yeah. all the pratfalls and stuff? He had to take a few weeks off after he did it, because at the time, Donald O'Connor was smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. Really? <laughs> Kind of, he kind of, he kind of lost his breath a little bit. Yeah, Fred is uh, Fred Astaire. Sorry, Fred. I didn't mean to impugn you. I know the guy that's in this movie is your chief competitor. Yeah, he's more conventionally handsome, and I think probably a better actor than you. But I didn't mean to get you guys mixed up. Uh, Gene Kelly got a, was doing the singing in the rain number with a hundred and three degree fever. Oh. There's a lot of myths about this. They, there's a myth that said that they shot the singing in the rain sequence all in one shot by using different cameras at different locations. It's a lie. Yeah. That's a movie myth. They didn't do that. It took them three days and they worked really hard. They didn't just shoot it in an afternoon and go home. <laughs> Done. <laughs> there were several times where G. Kelly just fell face down in a puddle of water and slowly began to drown because he was dying of a fever. <laughs> And they went to lunch, and luckily he was alive when they came back. <laughs> uh, Gene's dead. We're going to have to reshoot. Yeah. This was also Debbie Reynolds' first movie. Yeah. Her big break. She was, she was 19, 19 years old. And uh, Gene Kelly uh, chewed her out when she auditioned because she was a gymnast, not a dancer. And she ran away and started to cry. And she was crying underneath a piano. And guess who showed up? Gave her a pep talk. Who? And then talked to Gene Kelly about it, her. Fred Astaire. Oh, hey. <laughs> he was like, I'll show you some dancing because I'm Fred fucking Astaire. I'm a... I'm I'm the opposite of Gene Kelly. Him and his little artistic interludes in every single one of his fucking movies. <laughs> Fuck him! I'll show you how Fuck to dance. American in Paris. You just dance when the music starts, and you stop dancing when it stops. You don't have some fucking fantasy sequence. <laughs> him and his artsy fartsy crap. <laughs> him and Twilight Tharp go fuck themselves. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if that's all we got, is that all we got? I, that's all I got. Okay. Um, then, are you ready to recap the plot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the... Okay. <laughs> the I'm forcing the, the, you the... to sing all the musical numbers. <laughs> I got, you know, I'm going to send you the karaoke version you can sing with me, okay? Oh, great, okay. <laughs> I'm not really going to do that to you. <laughs> The audience. I'm talking to you, the audience. The, I'm not to, talking to Steve. To the listeners. I'm not going to force you to live through that. <laughs> well, Steve, let's uh, travel back to 1920-something? Nine? Eight? Uh, seven, I think, is when the movie okay, takes place. Okay, 1927. Yeah. Let's get dolled up in super glorious Technicolor. Yeah. And let's get put on our dancing shoes. Let's spray one of those spray bottles in our throats. Get ready to sing like you see opera performers do in Warner Brothers cartoons. <laughs> and let's step and dance into the world, singing in the rain. Take it away, Steve. Well, I'm, it's, it's really strange for a movie titled Singing in the Rain to begin this way, but the credits start with uh, the three main characters 
uh, Singing in the Rain. Yeah, we jump right in, don't we? <laughs> and the song they're singing is Singing in the Rain. Now, if I was dumber, and they're standing there, they're wearing umbrellas, they have rain slickers on, rain boots, and then they just turn around and start singing this up-tempo version of Singing in the Rain, yeah. where like, we're singing in the rain, and they just da-da-da-da-da, and then there's credits, and I thought, that's the shortest fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> wow. Direct, to the point, no plot. <laughs> it's kind of Dadaist, if you think about it. <laughs> you can't say it was false advertising. That's exactly no. what it said on the marquee. That was just the weird opening introductory yeah. credit. They thing. said they said we did shit. We forgot to shoot a credit sequence. Just use <laughs> just use ten seconds from the trailer. Done. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, after that, after we get the the title, which basically, it's not even a credit sequence, it's like a title card with just, you know, yeah. we're singing in the rain. Uh, then we cut to the exterior of uh, Grauman's Chinese in Hollywood, yeah. the famous movie theater. Dateline, Hollywood! Ni- 1927. <laughs> ah, good. The, the, the tail end of the great silent era. Mm-hmm. And we see Bruce Wayne's Aunt Mildred has a job. <laughs> yes! Reporting the uh, on the opening of The Royal Rascal. Yeah. Yeah, she's. I guess she's sort of like the head of Hopper, and yeah, uh, yeah and it's the the opening of the Royal Rascal, which is the newest film starring Fuck this you, great romantic head of Hopper. You stupid! Oh, I hate you so much. Sorry, you said her name. You said head of Hopper's <laughs> I'm sorry. name. I apologize. Head of Hopper slowly, I turn step by step, inch by inch. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's 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 the premiere of the new film starring this great romantic duo. They're like the biggest movie stars in the world and it's Don yeah. Lockwood who is of course Gene Kelly and uh, Lena Lamont and yeah. uh, you notice when they start to they get to the microphone and and they're being interviewed um, well first we see some stars that don't mean anything oh that's right yeah it's it's because it's... he's introducing stars and people are like freaking out like uh, the flapper girl comes out and there's a middle-aged man <laughs> yes <laughs> okay full admission there's a couple of times where I laughed out loud on purpose for the joke that they were making in this movie <laughs> oh definitely me too and there's a middle-aged man screaming for this little flapper girl who shows up. And then um, Gomez and Mar- Morticia Adams show up in their car. <laughs> and uh, then Donald O'Connor shows up. Yeah. And everyone jumps up. And, oh, he's the nobody. It's not the one we wanted. Yeah, because he, he's Cosmo, who is uh, Don Lockwood's best friend. But he's not really a star himself. He's just a behind-the-scenes like piano player guy. He's a, a what they call a mood musician. Right. When they'd film the, the... I don't even know if this is a real thing. But apparently... <laughs> Apparently, when they made silent pictures, there would be someone off to the side playing mood music for the scene that they were shooting. Right, right, right. right. And everyone, no one gives a fuck about him. Yeah, get off. Like, Whatever. And then finally, the the people they've been waiting for, the stars, Don Lockwood and 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 Lena Lamont. They they yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, Gene Hagen, of course, as Lena Lamont. And they get out and they walk up to the the head of the red carpet and they're being interviewed. Uh, and you know, you start you notice that uh, Lena doesn't say very much. Don nope. Don does all the talking for the two of them. Yeah, and he's really great. I'm going to say this right here, right now. Gene Kelly, and, and and it struck me when I watched this opening scene, I started thinking, is is this a satire? Is yeah. this a joke movie? Because they're doing these things on purpose. When he's walking up, he's smiling, and he's got a great smile, boy. Mm. And he's just smiling at everybody, and whenever someone runs up to take a picture, he makes a pose with, with Lena, and they both make a pose, and he's smiling, and he's being hammy and fake. Like, obviously hammy and fake. Yeah. And I'm like, did I completely not know that this is a satire of Hollywood yeah. <laughs> all these years. Yeah, well, because he, when, when they when they get up to uh, the microphone, sh- uh, she asks, you know, 
know, which is kind of an unusual question to ask someone like right outside the theater at a movie premiere. But she basically says, tell yeah. us all your story. Tell us your life story tell here us, now. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. You've well, OK. Got two minutes. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he tells us that the motto that he lives by is... <laughs> Is dignity. Always <laughs> dignity. And he's telling us directly because he looks at the camera a yeah. lot. He gazes movie. like earnestly into the camera uh-huh. and he narrates his backstory. Both and your grandma and my grandma's probably got a little excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think about that, folks. They started making you know, like, I really could have married someone better. Yeah. Think <laughs> think about how 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 old your grandma would have been in nineteen fifty two. Think about how handsome. <laughs> Some Gene Kelly is. <laughs> Just add those together. Um, yep. So and he t- he tells his story, and of course this this is it's one of the funniest jokes in the movie because he he narrates his story and his narration yeah. while he speaks. We actually see through flashbacks what actually happened, and it's mm-hmm. completely different. He's just totally making up his story. He talks about how, oh, he, he, he was sent to the finest schools and he gave yep. concerts to like the, the members of high society. And, mm-hmm. uh, he's, and we actually see him like, you know, uh, working in a, a pool hall. And when he's a little kid dancing in a pool hall and getting thrown out. Yeah. And, you know, he says, oh, I was, tr- I was classically trained and my parents raised me on Shaw and Shakespeare and Moliere. Yeah. And he actually was like on the vaudeville circuit. Yeah. And they sh- that, that's our first kind of musical number. Where they have an extended dance fiddle routine, yeah. and uh, then they say they got hired. They go to Hollywood, sunny California, and it's raining. Get it? Cause yeah, it's the whole joke. Because he's full of shit. <laughs> And uh, what is it? They become uh, he, he becomes uh, they become a mood man. musician. No, mu- mood mu- musician first. Oh, that's right. He's yeah. playing the fiddle on the side. That's right. And then <laughs> in another funny scene, the stuntman that's in the shot, they're filming a western. The the bad guy in the scene gets knocked unconscious. <laughs> And the director is like, oh, don't worry. <laughs> Get him off the set. Don't worry. You can knock out all time. <laughs> and and then, you know, Gene Kelly rises up and says, I, hey, I can do that. I can take a punch. And, and then, uh, you know, they shoot the scene and he hits him and he throws himself over the bar. And the director is like, wow, be a stuntman all the time. And he's like, okay. So then he's like a stuntman all the time. And he's like, one of the stunts really, when he drove his motorcycle off a cliff into a lake. <laughs> I was like, did that stuntman die for singing in the rain? <laughs> and then there's the other one where, I mean, and it, you can see there's obviously a match cut that disguises it. But like, yeah. he, he drives into a building that immediately explodes. Yeah, he <laughs> walks into a building marked explosives and it explodes. He flies, yeah. a, he, he drives an airplane into a barn. Yeah. And uh, that's where he talks about meeting uh, Lena, yeah. who we have not heard speak yet. And she doesn't even speak in the flashbacks. Nope. Well, that's weird. Hmm. Anyway, uh, he meets her and she's like, when he's a stuntman, and she's like, eh, whatever, fuck off, I hate you. And, but she doesn't say it. She's just all facial expression. And then R.F. Simpson comes up and goes, you're great. We're going to turn you into a star. And then all of a sudden she wants to go out with him. And he's like, no, bye. And then she kicks him in the pants. And we find out that their whole relationship is set up by the studio. Right. Everybody thinks that they're like an item and they're like, they have this great Lena romance. seems to love him, but he's not into it. No. Actually, Lena seems, there's there's a line uh, later on where Lena seems to think that, the, that she and Don are a couple because she read it in a magazine. <laughs> Which is a little weird. A little crazy. Anyway, then his story's all done. The movie's over. Everyone's gone home. The lights are off. And the the reporter regrets asking the question in the first place. Uh, I had to ask. 
no, we go into the movie theater and we watch some of the stupid black and white. What was the name of the movie? Uh, Royal Rascals. Oh, the 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 Royal Rascal. Yeah, and it looks like the from what little we see, but it's like a Douglas Fairbanks like swashbuckling kind of movie. Yeah, and it's all you know silent film stuff. Yeah, and uh, then it's over, and this is around the time where uh, we find out that the romance is all cooked. Yep, it's not real, and that's also when we find out that uh, Lena is not mute. She's kind of like a Miss Piggy on helium kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because they, they they go out in front of the screen after the movie to sort of give their thanks to the audience, and Don very pointedly does all the talking. Yeah, and does then, not let her talk. Yeah, and Lena, they go backstage, and Lena is not happy at all. Why can't I talk for myself? Yeah, and that's not far off from how she sounds, guys. Yeah. In fact, you do it so good, Steve, you get to do it for the rest of the night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gee, thanks, mister. You're kind of turning into Curly. Yeah. Curly Howard. <laughs> hey, hey, Mo! Hey, Mo! <laughs> <laughs> Um. Uh. So. Uh. Then they come out of the theater. They're driving. Uh, no, he's driving home with with uh, Corky Cosmo. Cosmo. With Cosmo, <laughs> he gets a flat tire. They get out to fix the flat tire. A mob encircles Don because he's famous. They start tearing off his clothes. Then he jumps onto Cosmo's car. Jumps onto a car that's passing by. Climbs up the side of a street trolley and jumps into another car. In which I started to think, is Don Batman? <laughs> <laughs> But we're getting set up for the ultimate meet cute, aren't we, Steve? Yeah, because the the car that he leaps into from the top of the bus is being driven by Kathy, who at first does she doesn't recognize Don, or at least makes like she doesn't recognize him. And yeah, she, she thinks he's just some guy who jumped into her car, and she's like, "Hey, yeah, what are you doing?" And but he, then a police officer confirms who he is. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, you're famous." Yeah, and he tells her, you know, "Oh, he's he, you know, he's an actor," and she doesn't seem impressed by that. They and, go on a nice little rear projection car yeah it's nice and it turns out that uh the reason that kathy isn't impressed at least according to her is that uh well don he might be a big star but he's just a movie actor he doesn't actually have to yeah he doesn't talk he just kind of she kind of does it because he's creepily hitting on her yeah and she sort of shuts him down by saying you know i'm i'm uh i'm a real actress i act on the stage yeah so i have you're not a real actor you're not really a real actor yeah yeah and he takes that personally and uh so we come away with that thinking she's a snob and he's kind of uh, bipolar because <laughs> he really acts out when he gets out of the out of the car yeah um, but uh, then that scene is over and now we're at a Hollywood party yeah it's I guess right? it's, it's a party that they're throwing after the premiere of the movie yeah and and RF has a movie to show him doesn't he yeah yeah well it's sort of but, like a it's it's a test for a for a talkie yeah um the it's uh some British dude talking saying this is my voice synced up to this movie um everything's gonna change and everyone thinks it's a joke <laughs> they're like this is stupid no, that'll never catch on one one and calls it repulsive uh, or bl- something blasphemy. Like that? I think she says it's blasphemy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's actually a, an homage to the original 1921 DeForest Phono Film demonstration, where he demonstrated that you could sync um, sound to film. Yeah. It took a little while for it to catch on. And everybody's like, but... "Why didn't we think about this <laughs> like immediately? <laughs> Why did mm-hmm. it take us this long to figure out we can record sound, we can record video or, or film? Why don't we just play them at the same time?" And is this where they name drop? 
workshop, the jazz singer? Yes, yeah, the jazz singer, yeah. yeah, because it's 1927, of course, and the jazz singer is just about to come out. And, the of course, the, the studio guys are all like, it's going to be a fad. No, it's, you know, yeah, it's gonna... no one wants to see a man in blackface anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's not really the draw there, RF. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I'm taking away from it. We're lucky. He said, the jazz singer's a hit. Put everybody in blackface. <laughs> it's what the people want. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, since that didn't go over as, as as big as he planned, he brings out a cake. Yes, and by this time, Don has arrived at the party. He was a little yes. late because he had to change. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, and so he brings out the cake, and uh, a girl pops out of the cake. Who comes out of the cake, Steve? It's none other than Kathy, yeah. the, 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 the snobby supposed stage actress from the car. Yeah. And they have a little musical number. Yeah. And uh, then he runs up and starts talking to her, and then Lena comes up and goes, who's that? And then she, Kathy's still mad at Don, and then she picks up a pie and misses Don from a foot away <laughs> and hits Lena in the face with the pie. Whoops. And I was really hoping for a good old-fashioned pie fight. Yeah. No, no. Uh, so then we cut to the studio, and the first thing we see, a movie I know you wanted to strive for accuracy in some places, but the jungle picture, oh, the jungle picture. <laughs> Pete, white guys dressed up like black people, yeah. banging on drums and dancing around. Yeah, I mean, at least it's in the background. And at least it's used for comedy. Yeah, yeah. Because walk, he walks by, the, the, I guess, the head priest. <laughs> Wearing that huge head thing, and he's like, "Hey, Don," and he's like, "Hey, Milt." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's sort of, and you know, the, the 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 whole scene is sort of a gag as well because the idea is, you know, it's the it's the good old silent days. They didn't have to record sound, so they could shoot yeah. like five movies at once in different parts of the stage. All they needed yeah, exactly. was the camera and the backdrop, and you know, and that's so then he, you shoot it. Yeah, so we see we see Don like walking past multiple films. There's like, like a western on a stagecoach, yeah, and a, a cheerleaders. I don't remember. <laughs> And a period piece, and uh, then he sees Dawn, and oh no, not Cosmo. Dawn. He sees Cosmo, and he's like, "Hey, you know what? That Kathy girl is probably right. I don't think I'm much of an actor. You know, I, I think it's you know, all I do is gesture crap. And I don't know what we're gonna. Well, I don't. I'm having a life crisis. Cosmo. <laughs> Cosmo's like, shut up. That was three weeks ago. All I do is gesture. I don't even memorize lines. Cosmo, I'm not an actor. <laughs> and Cosmo is like, I gotta distract him. <laughs> so how does he distract him? He launches into what is maybe other than the title sequence. Uh, I mean, the 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 actual singing of "Singing in the Rain" is probably the most famous musical. Also, number. this is the first official, typical musical number. Yes, because because yeah, yeah. because the, all the other times, yeah, they were always situational. Exactly, it was like someone's performing a, a show. Exactly, and this, this one comes out of fucking nowhere. This, this is the first. <laughs> this is the first musical number where, and I'll, I'll use my I'll use one of my fancy movie critic words where the music where the music is not diegetic. Which means that the music does not emanate from something was, within I, the scene. I'm a diegetic. Oh, I was diagnosed with that. I got sugar. Yeah, I mean, you can. Con- Is that what you mean? Yeah, you, you can control it with diet and medication. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so so Cosmo, yeah, he does make him laugh, which is this incredibly yeah. like energetic acrobatic number oh, yeah. where he, you know, he goes into different sets on the sound stage. He's doing some business on a couch with a dummy. Yeah, uh, he does the famous running up the wall bit where he runs up a wall and does a flip and like he, high up, yeah, a wall. like all like the way impressive. up. Yeah, and he does it twice, and then he drives. He goes to do it three times, and it's just a set wall, and he just yeah. crashes right through it, and that's the end. But he's not done yet. He comes stumbling yeah. out, still singing. 
and um, he falls down on the ground dead. <laughs> now, now you want to know the ironic part about the whole make him laugh sequence, Steve? What? I didn't laugh once. It's not. It's actually not that funny. No, it's 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 not at all. It's very impressive as a performance, but it's not funny. Yeah. yeah. Now, one of the things that Don brought up was that he was looking for Kathy, and apparently she got fired. Yeah. And it's about three weeks later, and he's been looking all over for her because he feels bad she fired. Turns out, Lena got Kathy fired. Yeah, yeah. She she holds a grudge for the whole pie face thing. And they're about to film a little scene for their next movie called The Dick in a Costume. I can't remember. What is it called? <laughs> it's called, it's, the, it's that, At this point, it's called The, the Dueling, Dueling Cavalier. The Dueling Cavalier. Yeah. Right. And he finds out right before they're about to start shooting that Lena got Kathy fired, and he He's pissed off at her, and she is pissed off at him, and they start filming. And I have to say this right here, right now. This is a great scene. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Because they're acting out this romantic, wonderful scene where they're declaring their love for each other, but because it's a silent film, they can say anything they <laughs> yes. want. And he's like, I hate you. You're a reptile. Yeah, he, he calls <laughs> her a rattlesnake. He's like, you got that girl fired on purpose, you rattlesnake. <laughs> But they do the whole scene, and it's fine. Everything's great, right? Yeah. It's over. They, they still hate each they, other. They hate each other, but they got the scene, yeah. yeah. But, uh-oh, Simpsons come in, and he's in full-on Hollywood producer panic mode. Oh, yeah. What is he in producer panic mode over? Well, he's having a meltdown because it turns out the jazz singer was like a huge hit. Mm -hmm. And now all the other studios are rushing talking pictures into production. Yeah, so they're closing down the studio for three weeks. Yeah, and and, and, and he, I think at this point he says, "We're this, this movie you're making right here, the Dueling Cavalier. We're going to turn it into a talkie. Yeah, you're getting dialogue. Yeah, and uh, then we see a bunch of newspapers fly at us, and Variety burns backwards somehow. It's like <laughs> Variety went backwards in time and burned. But why did they burn Variety backwards, Steve? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> It just looks cooler that way. Anyway, the headlines are all about talkies and talkies and talkies and how they're and the jazz wall with the jazz singer is making so much money. And then we cut into a, a sequence in which I thought I was having a Technicolor freakout, Steve. Yeah, it's very. It's all. It's I very was jarring. hallucinating badly in 1950. It's yeah. It's like this montage of just snippets from I guess other musicals. The guy with a megaphone and people dancing in front of stuff and legs and just colors coming at you all over the place yeah yeah which you know is is a little historically inaccurate the and it's kind of jumbled up and nightmarish in a way yeah it is it's 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 very almost impressionistic you know you actually i think um if you've ever watched mulholland uh, is it mulholland drive yeah the, the david the Lynch beginning movie? of yeah. the beginning of mulholland drive when they have that sequence of all of the uh dancers at the beginning over on top of each other mm -hmm. i think that scene is an homage to this particular little psychedelic montage in the yeah. middle of this movie yeah um and then it goes into a music um a musical no number or is it maybe it's a commercial or filler what the fuck is it that we're seeing yeah it's a guy singing surround about how beautiful women are and he's surrounded by dance they're not even dancing there's just women standing around striking poses one of them is kathy and then they talk about fashion for a little while yeah they they there's like uh a voiceover like a rhyming voiceover about that describes like the different outfits that the girls now, are, are wearing it is a satire when once they start describing the outfits it's like yeah. one of them is is uh what is it one of them is trimmed in monkey yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and one of them, there's a joke about one of them is like fox fur, but it's dyed pink, and the, the narration yeah. is like, if you're going to wear fox, you have to dye it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
And we're like, well, that was a weird transition. Couldn't you just stopped with the with the newspaper burning backwards? <laughs> you just hit me with a bunch of stuff. My head is still spinning. <sighs> but uh, while they're filming and they're done with that, Cosmo's there and he notices that Carol's there. And RF walks and says, who's that girl? And she's like, oh, that's Carol. Kathy. like, I like her. Kathy. Yeah. Sorry, that's Kathy. I like her. Put her. Let's put her in a movie as your little sister. And Cosmo goes, I gotta go get Don. He goes, get, gets Don. And Don comes in and he's like, hey, I didn't get you fired. That was Lena, fucking bitch. Squeaky, high-pitched bitch. <laughs> Can't stand her. <laughs> Anyway, that wasn't me, and yeah, put her in the picture, but we can't let Lena know. Right. Okay, we can't let Lena know that she's working on the set. Okay, and then they walk off, and we find out that Carol lied about her contempt for movie stars. Yeah, it turns out she reads five fan magazines a month. Yeah. And she's seen like eight or nine of Don's movies, I think she says, yeah. Yeah, and also uh, uh, there's love feelings. Mm-hmm. And uh, guys, um, I know that you, guys and girls out there, I'm not gonna, you, know, you you've tried to woo someone yourself in your life you know yeah. you want to impress a girl you're never ever gonna be able to do what don did no, <laughs> no you're not don reached into his bag of hollywood fairy dust <laughs> yes yes indeed and pulled out all the fucking stops to woo this girl yes he leads her into an abandoned movie set, turns on the lights, turns on a backdrop, turns on a fog machine, turns on... Do you guys have that stuff just lying around to impress some honey that you want to <laughs> sleep with? No, you don't. And you don't have a musical number in your back pocket, and you sure as hell ain't gonna dance all over the place. <laughs> Maybe you did. I don't know. I'm not with you 24-7. I'm just saying the likelihood they had all that stuff is not high. But Don had it, and boy, he's good at improvising <laughs> he woo. He knew what to do with didn't it. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. Did it work? Yeah, it did. She needed new panties by the end of that yeah, dance sequence. Get... Tell you that much. That's right. That's that's Gene Kelly for you. <laughs> He's like, that's right. That's, that's how you do it, fellas. Oh, well, now we get to get to go back to the plot, and Lena is taking diction, diction classes. Yeah, they're not going terribly well. No, not at all. Um, and Don's taking diction classes too, but um, unfortunately, it falls apart into a musical number <laughs> um, where they sing "Assault the Diction Coach" and then <laughs> tap vandalize his office. <laughs> yep. Do you think that? Okay, so this is basically what happens. He's teaching them tongue twisters, and they get Moses supposes roses on toses halitosis or something. Yeah, yeah. And that turns into a song in which they're basically manhandling this poor diction coach all over his office. Then they wreck his office with all the dancing and stuff. <laughs> Do you think that diction, diction coach just went directly into an insane asylum after yeah. that happened? <laughs> I think there they was just started least a very... singing and pushing me around and rapping me and stuff, and I didn't even hear any music. They were just singing. <laughs> there was at least a very tense call to the studio head after that. <laughs> my buttocks were touched at least five times. Have you seen my office? It's destroyed. <laughs> I cannot work under these conditions. Yeah. But now we cut back to the brand new reshooting of the hunky... Oh, they, the Dueling Cavalier. Same yes. scene we saw before. And uh, this is a scene where we basically watch a director have a nervous breakdown over sound. 
<laughs> yeah, because he, he can't figure out where to put the microphone because they yeah. have to. Lena is is not talking into the microphone, so they can't no. pick up her dialogue. So they yeah. have to keep finding different places to hide the microphone. So they, they it, it's in like a, a flower in front of her that doesn't. At first, hurt. they put it down the front. Yeah. Down the front, and then they pick up her heartbeat. Yeah. So then they move it to her shoulder, and they think that everything's fixed now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? No. No. It's not. The, the preview of the Dueling Cavalier goes really, really. Really badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know you, you the the dialogue is completely off because you, Lena sounds really loud and clear when she's turned toward her shoulder, and, and she's she playing with a, her pearls, and it's making yeah. a noise every time she plays with them. Yeah, and it doesn't and, help much that it turns out Don isn't an actor; he's <laughs> awful. Yes, and and there's also I mean they have a lot of fun with like the awkward noises, like when he comes into the scene and he throws his saber aside, and you hear it like clattering awkwardly to yeah. the ground and, and everyone's footsteps are loud and and, and yeah. clanking all over the place and of course her voice yeah she's supposed to be playing you know an, a 17th century aristocratic woman and she talks like this <laughs> and so the audience is laughing hysterically and the exit polling is profoundly negative <laughs> yeah they 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 feel like this movie is going to destroy don and lena's career and possibly yep. even sink the studio yeah but lena thought it was great yeah <sighs> So they go back to Don's place, and they're sitting at his dining room table. Don's thinking he's going to go bankrupt because he doesn't have a career. Don admits out loud, "You were right. I'm not an actor. I'm not good. At, I'm not good at it." And I noticed something real funny about that dining room table. Did you? What is it? I don't think Don had enough fruit. There is a platter, the width of that table, just covered with two kinds of fruit: bananas and peaches. Just a mound of bananas and peaches, just sitting there. more than he could possibly eat before that's, it goes bad. That's what he likes. But they're eating sandwiches. He should have been like, please, can we just finish this fruit? It's going bad. <laughs> can you guys please eat some of these fucking peaches? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then someone has a great idea, right? Well, yeah. Well, first they sing good morning to cheer themselves up. No, because I they... thought they got the idea first and then they sing good morning. Oh, that's right. Yes, they, they come up with the... Yes, that's true. They they Somebody, uh, I think Cosmo, comes up with the idea to yeah. turn the Dueling Cavalier into a musical because that plays to Don's strengths. Yeah. And, he can't act, uh, but he can sing and dance. And they can they can do that in six weeks. Apparently. They can, they can change a period <laughs> melodrama into a musical. So they pitch it to R.S. You think it's great. They're going to call it the Dancing Cavalier. And, um, oh, and they come up with a way to be able to make it modern so they can have modern singing and dancing with one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. And in which it's a Broadway guy who gets hit on the head with a sandbag and then fantasizes about being in the 18th century, yeah. 17th century or whatever. I saw what they showed in the movie theater. Do you remember the ending of the, the supposed moving of the Dancing Cavalier? What's happening? Uh, they're still in the 17th or 18th century. Yeah. Yeah, and he's getting kissed. So maybe it's he, like... maybe the sandbag kills him. Maybe he dies. And the fade out is just he's having his beautiful fantasy, his romance, and then he dies. Yeah. The end. So uh, they're like, okay, yeah, this will be great. But oh, no, we're going to do a musical? Yeah. Singing? Yeah. What about Lena? <laughs> Uh-oh. And uh, they're a little upset about it. But then Cosmo invents lip syncing. <laughs> yeah, well, because, see, there was there was a, a, a one of the mishaps at the movie that they just premiered disastrously was that 
that the sound actually went out of sync. Yeah. And Cosmo says, well, you're, I, Kathy actually jokes about it. I think it says, you know, I, I thought that she, her, I, I thought that Lena was best when she was sounding like this, you know? Yeah. And Cosmo says, well, why don't we just do that? Why don't we just mm-hmm. have you just do her dialogue and sing all our songs? Yeah. And then, then they have, they fixed it. It's a great idea, right? Yeah. And then, uh oh, Steve, I feel an iconic Hollywood musical number coming on. I, it's, it's coming up real soon. I feel it coming like running right at us. He, he takes he takes her home, and it's raining. And it's raining, and he's happy and in love. Yep. And music starts up. Yes, it does. <laughs> and then someone makes an iconic movie moment that'll last far past the rest of the movie. Yeah. He he sings in the rain. Yes. He sings singing in the rain in the rain. He gets the titular. He, yeah. He gets the titular song. Yeah. What a surprise for something he directed it. I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's. I think there. They, originally, this music number happened at a different point in the story, and it was supposed yes, it to did. be. All, it was supposed to be all three of them. It was supposed yeah. to be Don and Cosmo and Kathy. And Gene Kelly said, "No, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> That's mine. I'm doing yeah. that. Everyone, okay. you take 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 three days off. I'm gonna nearly kill myself doing this. Okay. Um. So, um, so they're doing the movie, right? Yeah. Um, they gotta keep, uh, I thought her name was Carol. I have Carol written throughout this. Kathy. Why am I? It's Carol. It's Kathy. It's Carol. You're right. It's Kathy. <laughs> I'm telling you the Alzheimer's a bitch, Steve. Anyway, so. <laughs> You're doing fine. They all are trying desperately to make sure. Because Simpson thinks it's a great idea. They'll just dub her over. This fantastic. Yeah. They watch like rushes of it. Um, and uh, they got to make sure they keep it a secret from Lena because Lena hates her. Right. And then um, we are. Then they show them clips of it where they show it overdubbed and it's fantastic. And then we um, go into Gene Kelly's imagination <laughs> yes. for a musical number. Or did we jump forward into time or are we watching the dancing cavalier the movie in the movie or is it his movie in his imagination it's like inception but with dancing yeah he uh he says to rf don says to rf he says well i i have an idea for one more number yeah and then he as he describes the number to rf we see it like as it is in his imagination and yeah it can't possibly have any thing to do with the movie they're making the dance, it's, nothing at all because he he loves to tell these little dance stories doesn't he steve yes in absolutely movies. yeah american in paris it's all i remember is the dance <laughs> sequence at the end what happens in this dance sequence what's the story he's telling well it's the story of uh as he describes him a young hoofer yeah. Who, who comes to New York hoping to make it big on Broadway and we see him coming into the town and it's like a big Broadway dance number and uh, he's dressed in like a, a sort of like a yellow vest and he's got glasses and a shabby hat and he like mm-hmm. he's he's going to different agents offices and knocking on their doors and doing a little shuffle for them and yeah. eventually someone likes him and takes him into you know to put him in a show and yeah. and he sort of works his way up and he becomes a bigger and bigger star working at like better and better nightclubs. Yeah. And then he dances with Sid Charisse. Yeah. He meets this woman who is like at a, they're like at a party together. And then while we're still in the fantasy musical sequence, fantasy Gene Kelly has a fantasy yeah. about dancing with Sid Charisse, just the so two how, of them together. When do we get the kick, Steve? When do we get the kick? When are we going to get out of this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> you can't go too you can't go too far too far in or you'll end up in limbo. Um so and and there's some there's like there's mafia stuff going on like Sid Charisse's man is implied to be like a mafia guy who's like yeah. always flipping a coin like Two-Face. <laughs> and, and anyway, so the, the the fantasy within the fantasy eventually ends and fades away and like yeah. the, the the woman sort of just passes him by and blows him yeah. off. And he, you know how we complain sometimes that movies about showing, not telling. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes showing isn't isn't necessarily sometimes the best. Showing thing. can go on a little long. Yeah, he so, especially you know, when it has nothing to do with the fucking plot. Yeah, so he gets you know he walks outside and he's like all bummed because Sid Charisse isn't into him. And then another young hoofer who looks just like he looked at the beginning of the number comes up and reminds him of like you know why he's here in the first place and they all start dancing and everything gets happy again and you know there's the big swell of music at the end mm-hmm. and then that's the end of the number and then he flies he yeah. flies up in the air and looks directly or... <laughs> at you while he's singing and stuff or he stands in front of a rear projection that too um, and, and, and a really the, well done rear projection by uh, the way really well absolutely and because it's very unexpected when that zoom starts you're like what the yeah. fuck is going on <laughs> <laughs> um, but then and then the, the, the punchline to the punchline is there, we've just sat through this incredibly opulent, you know, like uh, extravagant musical number. Oh, yeah. And we fade back to the office where Don has just described all of this to RF. And RF says, no, I can't quite see it. Yeah. I'll have to see it filmed first. <laughs> it's not, I, I it's can't like, really visualize RF, it. haven't you been in the same thing that we were? <laughs> So it was just a description of a thing that impacted the story, uh, not even a little bit. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but we spent 15 minutes on it. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a very long sequence. Uh, uh-oh, Lena knows everything. Yeah. And uh-oh, Lena is evil. <laughs> Yeah, because she the the, the the idea was that well we'll get Kathy to do the voiceover the 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 dubbing for this yep. movie, but then after that like she'll be her own thing, she'll have her yeah. own career. Yeah, and and Lena says nope. Nope. How then, about she does my dubbing for every movie, and that's all she movie. does. Yeah, and RF is like, you can't tell me what to do, and she's like, I got a contract, and I went to all the movie studios hyping about how I sing and dance in, uh, or sing in in this, and how great it's going to be. Um, you would think that in the interview with her, the newspaper reporters would notice that this woman is saying that she's a great singer and she delivers great dialogue while talking like this. <laughs> But they print it anyway. So she's got RF over a barrel. Yeah, RF she, doesn't know what to do. She basically does like the Joan Crawford scene from Mommy Dearest where she's talking to the Pepsi board of directors. Yeah. Like, I don't fuck with me, fellas. <laughs> so now we go to the premiere of The Dancing Cavalier. And it's a hit. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. They love it. Yeah. But uh, then they start fighting because Gene Kelly finds out about what Lena's planned. And RF is like, I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know know what to do lena is out of control and she's yelling at everybody and she's gonna be a star she's gonna change the name of the studio to lena studios yeah kathy's there and she's all like what's going on and okay uh time to cue the petard because lena this is the scene where you hang from it (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) 
they get an idea, right? Yeah, and, they, they say it's Because she's going to go out. I'm tired of people making speeches for me at the end of these things. I'm going to go exactly. out and make my own speech. And so she goes out to the microphone, and everyone else is on the side. And she tries to give a speech, and people are like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Talking you know, so like real that voice. in the movie. Sing a song! And Lena panics and runs off the side. And she's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then the, then uh, Don gets an evil idea, and he calls Kathy over. And he says, Kathy, get behind there, and you're going to sing a song. And she's going to mouth it. Shut up and go, just go do it. And she's like, I hate you. And he's like, just go do it. And so they set up a microphone behind the curtain, and Lena is front the curtain and the maestro in the orchestra says because uh, you have those at a movie premiere yes of course wait a minute no you you don't not uh, well, in a let's, talkie <laughs> let's, let's just say you do yeah let's just say they're there for no reason yeah. it's a talking picture it had its own music yeah but it's a payday for the band you know they probably had a union contract <laughs> you know Anyway, he says, what song are you going to sing? And she says, oh, I'm going to sing a song that one of the characters in this movie sang by himself at night. (laughs) That apparently everybody knows now. (laughs) I'm going to sing Singing in the Rain. How? Steve, how? How? Well, see, here's where it gets complicated. Because (laughs) the song Singing in the Rain actually predates this movie. Okay. But it does not predate the era that these characters exist in. Right. So they, they, even though like the, the, the song Singing in the Rain existed before this movie, in 1927, I don't think anybody would have known the song. So yeah. it really, it doesn't make any sense. So she's singing, um, she's lips, Lena's lip syncing, Kathy's behind the curtain singing, she's upset. Mm-hmm. But uh, the three guys on the side, Cosmo, RF, and Don, uh, sing their way over to the curtain puller, and they pull the curtain open, and the whole audience can see the truth. What's uh, the truth, Steve? They see... That, that Lena's not actually singing. That it's just Kathy doing all the singing. Yeah. And uh, it takes Lena a little while to figure out what's going on. Because the whole audience is laughing when they find out that she's not really the singer. And then when she turns... Oh, and then uh, uh, Cosmo runs up and pushes uh, Kathy out of the way and starts singing the song. Yeah. And that's when she realizes the jinx is up. She gets hor- Lena gets horribly embarrassed and runs off stage right. Gunshot, body falls to the floor. We'll <laughs> never see her again. The end. <laughs> <laughs> but Kathy runs off the stage too because she's upset because yeah. you know all that stuff. And then Don says, "Hey, hey, everybody! That that woman there, she was the voice of everything. She did it. She's awesome, and I love her. And I got such a boner for her. I'm gonna sing a song now. Everyone, listen to my boner song. So then he sings a love song, <laughs> right? Yeah. And Kathy comes back. Yeah. She's and like, you're not so bad. Yeah. And then they kiss, and then we cut to a billboard. A billboard of a movie that Don yeah. and Kathy are starring in together. And what is? Uh, the movie. I, the movie is titled Singing in the Rain. And it's the worst billboard you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> it's not great, yeah. It's not it's just great. their heads staring at each other. From the opposite sides of the billboard. Of the of the monument pictures thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay because then they kiss. Yep. The end. <laughs> the end. Oh. So, Steve, mm-hmm. how do you feel about this classic musical? The musical that inspired other musicals. People point to this musical and say, that's how you do a musical, boys. Right there, Singing in the Rain. What's your opinion of Singing in the Rain? <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you something. I, okay. I, I don't know if I am, am growing less cynical as I get older. <laughs> but I really, really like this movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is the first time, as you mentioned, like this is the first time I've ever watched it, like from beginning to end. I've seen yeah, little pieces too. of it. Like I had seen yeah. the Donald O'Connor dance number before because that gets played a lot. Like it's a really mm-hmm. famous, and of course the singing in the rain number with Gene Kelly splashing around in the puddles. So I had seen yeah. bits and pieces of it, but this is the first time I watched the whole thing all the way through, and I really, really liked it. I, I mean, I won't say that it's perfect. A lot of people nah. talk about it as like one of the great films of all time, and mm-hmm. and I mean, I definitely see where they're coming from because there are elements of it that I just really, really really like but yeah. you know i mean it, you can't get away from the fact that at least two of the major musical sequences have nothing to do with anything oh, and are yeah. just none the, of the none of the songs have anything to do with the plot really and 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 uh, but at the same time like that i mean that's that's something to look at as as like a narrative flaw in the movie but at the same time i think that's what allows me to like them because one of my standard complaints about music and one of the reasons why I say that I don't prefer that genre in general is because, you know, when they do have songs that are tied to the plot or tied to a character's arc, you know, mm-hmm. um, they're basically taking five minutes to tell us something that if they weren't singing it, we would we could find out in 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, it's like we don't need all of this to go this far. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but the because the musical numbers in Singing in the Rain are purposefully detached from the narrative and in some cases cases like like the broadway melody number it, it have nothing to do with anything like don't even actually take place in the reality of the characters it's all in gene kelly's imagination yeah you know it's sort of like it becomes like okay this isn't about pushing the story forward or establishing you know that the character is undergoing a change it's more this just is about gene kelly showing off yeah and it's just putting on a show you know and and it kind of and it, it kind of parallels with the movie that they're supposedly making which doesn't make any sense like there's no nope. way that this movie that they're making the dancing cavalier is going to make any sense how it has like uh-huh. a modern a modern part and then like a period part and and it, it's like th- this movie doesn't make any sense and that's kind of like what singing in the rain is yeah. there's it they're 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 going through this story and they just sort of stop every few minutes and do these song <laughs> and dance numbers that have nothing to do with anything uh-uh. and then just come and then go back to the story and so even though like that is certainly not a great way to tell a story in terms of narrative Narrative, I think it kind of liberates the musical numbers and you can just enjoy them for what they are. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and I, I, I think I think Gene Kelly is fantastic. I think he has, uh, there's something about him, especially in this movie, but in other things I've seen him in as well. He, he, he seems like he would have been like an actor in the 20s or the 30s. He has like, mm-hmm. you know, not just his look, but just the way his acting style, his personality, he seems a much better fit for the 30s as opposed to the 50s. Um, and you know, so the, the material is perfect for him. Uh, and Donald O'Connor again is just like, I mean, e- even though make him laugh is not funny, it is impressive in every other way. Oh, there's no denying. <laughs> and, I mean, the talent level on both of them, on all three of them, all three, because Debbie Reynolds is, is fantastic through the too, roof. Yeah. You may not like the music, you, 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 musicals may not be your thing, but you'd have to be blind not to acknowledge how good of a dancer Gene Kelly was. Oh man, and 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 the 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 choreography and the timing of some of those numbers. Especially yeah. that 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 psychotic number in the the, the speech <laughs> therapist's office where they're tearing everything down and they're like tap dancing on the floor, then they jump up yeah. on a chair, then back down on the floor, then back up on mm-hmm. the chair, and it's just it 
it's phenomenal. And also, you know, I mean, as as I think we've mentioned before in passing in this show, I mean, I'm a huge fan of silent movies, and yeah. this movie takes place at the turning point from silence to talkies, yep. and that's just like catnip to me. Like, I just I love that period of film history, and I, I love that they wrote jokes about it. I love that yeah. some of the, some of the routines that they come up with, especially when like the first premiere for the Dueling Cavalier goes so horribly wrong, the jokes mm-hmm. that they came up with were so funny, and yeah. even though they were exaggerations, they were still rooted in things that were real problems for early mm-hmm. sound movies. It's um, weirdly yeah. self-referential because yeah. the scene where they change the Dueling Cavalier to the Dancing Cavalier, they firmly have their tongue in their cheek because they're making a movie that is unrealistic. Yeah, And absolutely. they know they are. So it's... it's uh, Keep going, sorry. Yeah, well, and, and you know, and it, they, they strike that note almost immediately when, you know, Don arrives at the premiere and you have that yeah. hilarious juxtaposition of Gene Kelly gazing earnestly into the camera yeah. and lying his ass off about mm-hmm. his 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 actual history. So, yeah, I mean, having never seen it before, I did not expect it to be as funny as it was. I did not expect yeah. it to be as ironic as it was. I didn't, yeah. ex- I didn't expect it to have so much fun at the expense of Hollywood and movie making mm-hmm. um, and to be as smart about Hollywood history and, ha- and derive a lot of the jokes from those problems with the transition to sound like there was there was a lot there that I didn't expect to be there having never seen it before Um, and above all it's just it's just fun it's just a happy fun joyful movie Uh, so yeah I I really really I really liked it I liked it a lot more than I expected to yeah I mean I'll I'll agree I really did not I went into this expecting it to be a slog Mm -hmm. even though it was relatively short for a musical I expected it to be just like a chore I was going to sit here I wasn't going to enjoy any of it and then within two minutes I could clearly see where the filmmakers or where Gene Kelly and all of them were going with this and I went oh they know what they're doing (laughs) they know what the joke is and they're tailoring it to that and you know from that point forward there's a lot I'm the type of person who I enjoy it when musical numbers in musicals are tied to the plot and they actually move the plot forward Um, now uh, sometimes in musicals they'll use a musical number to and it's a little bit of a cheat but they'll use it in place of exposition so that you know what the character is all about. The, the typical example I'll use is in Disney films, where you have the heroine singing a song, and the song is literally about what they want. It's called mm-hmm. the I Want Song. Yeah. And you basically set up the, the primary wants, desires, and possible motives for the lead character, what they're all about. Um, and that's I feel, is a little bit better. Disney does it really well because they also manage to interweave plot. Things happen during musical numbers, usually, that drive the plot. I'm talking about later Disney. I'm not talking about earlier Disney. I also recognize that this film... I think he makes American in Paris after this, right? I think so. These films are the kind of the last ones of this kind of music because musicals change a great deal after this. After this, we get things like West Side Story. We get things like Cabaret. We get, I think Carousel is in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sound of Music changes everything too. And those are movies where there aren't any fantasy sequences. They're telling a story, you know, a straightforward story, you know, shot on location. There are Nazis in Sound of Music for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> You know, all the stuff is still there. They still have musical numbers that don't mean anything, and you don't, you're kind of curious as to why they're even in the in the film. But in this case, it's almost as if they're doing a parody of it to a certain extent. And the funny thing is, is that the movie could be looked as a sa- as a satire of a satire, because not only are the, not only is the movie itself a satire, but then they go in for the movie in the movie is a satire on Hollywood as well. So if you want. 
to guarantee that I'm going to think that your movie is good, <laughs> wink at me. And that's what they did. They winked at me. The whole performance of Gene Kelly when he first walks up to the premiere at the beginning of that thing, I'm like, holy shit. How dare you, movie? Don't you do this to me! Because now I'm going to be engaged in this! But that's the thing. I wound up getting engaged. You know, I wound up becoming engaged in these characters. The Donald O'Connell character is not engaging. He's a fantastic performer. But I mean, does he have an arc? No. He doesn't even fall in love. <laughs> He's just his sidekick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but everything else in it, you know, uh, Lena is, you know, what's, I can't remember the actress's name who plays Lena. She's fantastic. Gene Kelly is fantastic. Mm -hmm. They're not, he's not shooting. I think this might actually be a subtle commentary about Gene Kelly himself, who thinks that he's, he may think that he's a bad actor. Yeah. And that he can only do musicals. I don't remember Gene Kelly ever going outside of his wheelhouse. Pretty much when he was done with musicals and musicals were done with him, he was pretty much done with Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I don't remember him doing much of anything after that, except making appearances, you know, being Gene Kelly. Um, and this could be kind of his commentary on that, because he's like, I can't go, you know, what am I going to, I'm going to go do a Sidney, Sidney Lumet movie after this? What, <laughs> you know... <laughs> <laughs> what what am I going to do once this once this ends? And so, uh, yeah, this movie attacks you from several different places that I never expected. I thought it was a dippy. I thought it was going in. I thought it was just going to be a dippy 1950s musical. And instead, it turned out to be a dippy, a commentary on dippy 1950s musicals. Now, do I think other people think that way? No, I think they, they may approach it as just being a fun musical. And that's great, because it is. Because it is. We made fun of it. But, I mean, you, you try to do a better romantic sequence than when he goes into that fucking fantasy land empty empty uh, <laughs> studio and turns on all magically turns on everything that happens to be plugged in yeah and <laughs> and you know makes Debbie Reynolds so hot for him she can't stand it <laughs> So while I went in with expecting to not like it, I really, really, really like the movie. Yeah. And I'll say this up front. Man, I wish this was like this for all of the movies that I was going in. <laughs> Why couldn't have this been the surprise of Gone with the Wind, yeah. where I was like, oh, wow. That's actually really great. to be insightful commentary about the Civil War. <laughs> But this movie, I kind of regret not having watched it. Now, would I have appreciated yeah. it when I was 20? Probably not. I yeah. probably would have been bored. But, you know, now, I think it's great. I think it's shot perfectly for dance sequences, for dancing, for dance numbers. The people who were shooting it knew exactly what they were doing. It's edited well. I made fun of the the, the, the crazy psychedelic scene that's in the middle of it, but even I, I even appreciated that, because it is so different, and so colorful, and so out of nowhere yeah. as a transition, that I liked it. It was like, oh, wow, this is kind of, you know what reminded me of the whole movie actually is it's almost as if it had been written by the guys who were writing the Warner Brothers cartoons yeah it does have that feel to it yeah there's a lot of stuff in there there's a, there, there's so much hyperkinetic uh, action when they're doing like when they're tearing apart the speech there the, the the diction coach and when they're doing make them laugh a lot of them seem like sight gags that they could have picked up easily from Looney Tunes mm -hmm. and some of the sight gags and all the other stuff seem like it, it could have been from Looney Tunes the whole uh, the whole what was it the whole the whole sequence where they're you know cussing at each other under they're, you know, as dialogue while they're filming the silent yeah. film sequence. And that was the other thing. There were little scenes in there that really caught me off guard and were really, really funny. Mm. Just genuinely funny. Um, not cute, just genuinely funny. Not nostalgic or, oh, look, it's cute for that time. Just genuinely yeah. funny sequences. And so, yeah, um, I really like this movie. And sure, none of the... I know for a fact that a majority of these songs were written before the movie was made. Mm -hmm. So they were literally like, let's put this song here and let's put this song here. 
Does that have anything to do with the plot? Oh, just let's put it here. Let's put it here. Let's go. But normally that would piss me off. I didn't care. I was enjoying. I like spending time with these people, and I like. I really like Gene Kelly in this movie, even when he's being a creepy weirdo. There's no down energy people. Even RF, the guy who plays RF, I love the director in this movie. Yeah, who is just <laughs> who goes who vacillates between being very careful, being very careful, being very nice with Lena, and then turning around going, "All right." <laughs> Quiet on a set! <laughs> I kept expecting, and it wouldn't have surprised me at all if they sh- panned over to him and he's just in a corner with a gun to his head going, oh, is it time to shoot? Okay. <laughs> Be right there. So, Steve, recommend or not recommend? For... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, we're not going back to that. Is it a classic? Oh, absolutely. Very, yeah. it definitely deserves its its reputation very much. Definitely. And guys, you might watch this and you might be bored. Maybe you're not the, the person that's cut out for musicals. That's fine. But uh, boy, this was a highlight of my week to be this surprise. It's very, uh, very seldom that I get surprised really by a movie. And this one, that's what, 70 years old at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Getting close. Yeah. 1952. Yeah. 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 It's nice to get surprised by something that's, that is this old. And is this, and is the entertainment holds up. So, yeah, classic. Stamp it. Put it in the box. Good job, America. You made a great movie. (laughs) Good job, Gene Kelly. I'm glad that he's finally getting the recognition he so richly deserves. (laughs) Yeah, no one ever heard of him. You know, we should really rediscover his work. Oh, let me ask you this question, though. Yeah. If you had to choose Mm -hmm. between Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire, who would you pick? (laughs) Um, It's interesting. I was thinking about this earlier. I kind of drew an analogy between, you know, it's Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly, kind of like for a lot of people, it's Jimmy Stewart or Robert Mitchum. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I I would pick, if I absolutely had to pick, if you put a gun to my head and I had to pick between the two, I would pick Robert Mitchum and I would pick Gene Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I would pick Gene Kelly, but I yeah. wouldn't. Oh, fuck. Now you got me thinking, number one, how did that, how did you get Robert Mitchum and Jimmy Stewart? Do you know why? Do you know why? Because, why? um, because they both happened to die relatively close to each other. And, uh-huh. uh, I remember Roger Ebert wrote, uh, a remembrance of them both because they had died so, so near each other. And he, yeah. he, and he basically compared the two and said like, Jimmy Stewart was, Jimmy Stewart was our heart and Robert Mitchum was our soul. You know, like Mitchum was the darker uh-huh. side and Jimmy Stewart was like the, the, the every man that we sort of relate to and Mitchum okay. was sort of like the demon haunted version of ourselves and <laughs> demon you know. haunted Jimmy Stewart I would love to see that <laughs> but yeah Shut I would I would put this gun in your mouth <laughs> yeah don't anybody make a sound I would love to see him in Cape Fear uh, or or uh, Night of the Hunter Night of the Hunter oh that's right he's a Night of the Hunter lean in lean in <laughs> oh my god lean in on the everlasting arms uh, where are you going children come here I said come here give me the money um, yeah uh, I would pick Gene uh, Kelly if I had to pick yeah. who, who would you pick between the two Gene Kelly yeah Gene Kelly uh, simply because god damn it <laughs> right <laughs> I mean, I knew he could dance, but, you know, fuck me. How is he not just dripping with trim all the time? Because <laughs> he's not a bad-looking dude. No, he's not. He's, like, grotesquely handsome. <laughs> he can sing and dance. I mean, come on. 
Oh, so yeah, me too. Classic done. Hey, Steve. Yeah, man. You got a movie you want to recommend? I, I do, actually. I Go do. for it. I actually, well, it's funny. We, you, you were mentioning earlier how after his musical phase kind of ended, Gene Kelly, uh, you know, he didn't do a whole lot after Gracefully that. Gracefully bowed out. Yeah, but there is one movie that he appeared in, uh, in a fairly prominent role. It's not uh, Xanadu, is it? No, no, no. Um, okay. That is a, I think, a reminder that the dude actually could act. Yeah. Um, and the and he's not he's not one of the the marquee stars of this movie, but he plays a very prominent, very important supporting role. And that movie is Inherit the Wind. Oh yeah, uh, from 1960. So it was about eight years after Singing in the Rain. And of course, the the main two stars of the movie um, are Spencer Tracy and Frederick March. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also have Gene Kelly in a supporting role as E. K. Hornbeck, who is the the fictionalized version of H. L. Mencken because Inherit the Wind is a fictionalized dramatization of the Scopes Monkey Trial. Yeah. Um, and it's a great movie. And if you've never seen it, mm-hmm. uh, I would recommend checking it out. Uh, Spencer Tracy and Frederick March are fantastic. Gene Kelly is great. Dick York is great. The whole cast mm-hmm. is, is is terrific. Um, and it's, I mean, don't treat it as a historical document. It takes a lot of... It, ain't. it takes a lot of liberties with what the actual Scopes Monkey Trial was. For instance, uh, William Jennings Bryan did not actually die in the courthouse. <laughs> um <laughs> He died five days later. Yeah. So they they smudged that a little. But anyway, it's a great movie, and it's a great if you want if you watch Singing in the Rain, and you're like, holy shit, Gene Kelly. You know, you can go watch one of his other musicals, but you can also check out Inherit the Wind, where he's just doing the old acting thing yep. uh, and doing a good job. So that is my mm-hmm. recommendation, Inherit the Wind. Well, good. Now, as you guys know, I pick a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, 1952. And one of the things about this movie is that it kind of paints a very very fantasy Hollywood. Right. Yeah. You know, everything. Even the, the the main producer isn't some hard ass who makes terrible decisions and yells at people and just makes business decisions based solely on money. And he has no heart. He's a nice guy. And boy, Hollywood looks so clean and awesome. And hey, if you're uh, coming out of a cake one day, you're a star the next day. <laughs> yep. That kind of fantasy Hollywood never existed. Well, I picked a movie about the other side of Hollywood where everyone hates each other. <laughs> <laughs> I picked a different kind of Hollywood where people have gross, they do things for money, and they look past their own personal morality, and they're kind of just awful people to each other. Mm-hmm. I picked a movie called The Bad and the Beautiful. Ooh. <laughs> Directed by Vincent Minnelli, produced by John Houseman, screenplay by Charles Shee. Um, it stars Lana Turner, Kirk Douglas, Walter Pidgeon, and Dick Powell. And it's weirdly like, it's kind of like Citizen Kane, because most of the movie is told... Um, in flashbacks of people recollecting interactions that they've had with this one producer, played by Kirk Douglas, who is like a king asshole, and how he destroyed their lives. It's it's a it's a it's a good movie. It's a good drama movie. You walk away going, ugh, Hollywood sucks. Ugh, those people are gross. <laughs> no one has any personal morality. They do things for money. Ugh. I don't want to tell you too much about it. If I told you the ending, which is great, which is a great ending, it'll ruin the movie for you. So if you haven't seen the bad and the beautiful, go on, fine. It's black and white. It's great. You get to watch Kirk Douglas huff and wheeze through the entire movie, being just an absolute jerk. Yeah, doing what Kirk. Douglas does best. And also Lana Turner. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Go see it. The Bad and the Beautiful. Oh, I guess that's it, Steve. I think so. Well, we come to an end of another late seating. Yeah, you, I'll, you know, I'll start shutting down the studio, turning off these stage lights, okay. sweeping up. <laughs> 
Um, hey guys, um, do you agree with our assessment? Do you not think that uh, it's a classic? Did you hate this movie? Let us know. Go to the Let Me Listen contact page uh, and uh, leave us a comment there or go to the SoundCloud page and leave us a comment there. We love hearing from you. Well, I love, well, I do. I love hearing from you and I love reading them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it. Hey, do you want right. to do you want to do another one of these? Like like in two weeks? Wait, we can we can do, wait, we hit 50. Oh. This oh. is our 50th show. Are we, so we're just Remember gonna... we said at one point, if we make it to 50, murder suicide. Oh shit! Okay. <laughs> oh wait, no, I got that confused with a different podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, let's do another That's one. That's one of my other shows. <laughs> Atticus, stop it! We're at like 129 know, on that you're... show. I don't know what number you guys are waiting for. <laughs> Well, happy 50. Thank you. This, and this was a good one to do for you. It turned out we, we, yeah. we watched a movie we hadn't seen before, and we both really liked it. It was like the end, like the, the perfect show, because it was an old movie, Yeah, and we confirmed it as a classic. <sighs> Look at that. Fulfilling our mission. Nothing but cinematic net on that I'm one. I'm telling you. Well, <sighs> Steve, yeah, man. you know, the next show comes out around uh, that fucking holiday, that made-up Hallmark holiday, mm. Valentine's Day. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I think maybe we should do a romantic movie. <sighs> yeah. I mean, this, we just did a romantic movie. No, we did a musical. Oh, that's right. I'm talking about a movie that's supposed to be romantic. Oh, okay. And well, there's only one movie that I can think of. Oh, boy. That, uh... <laughs> what? Well, let's... Okay, that's, what movie? This is, and it's not Romeo and Juliet, because no. that movie, that's just sad. That's not that's as like, romantic as you're led kids. to believe. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a downer. <laughs> see what the hell's so romantic about that. No, I think uh, there's one movie that a lot of people reference, a lot of people talk about, a lot of, made a big impact. Uh, I think uh, the people who like it are insane. But <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe when I watch it, I'll like it just like this time Absolutely. with 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 singing in the rain. But I don't think that's gonna happen, Steve. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. <laughs> because the next movie we're gonna review for Valentine's Day is a little movie uh-huh. called Love Actually. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> We have a problem. So um, we really do. We have problems. So let's let's when re- we get something we that makes us happy, we don't follow it up with another film that makes us happy. We almost immediately go to the dumpster. Do you realize we do this to ourselves? So let's recap what just happened. We just said, "Hey, isn't it great that we've done fifty of these?" We said, "Thank, th- <laughs> thank you to everyone for listening and following us through thank fifty you. shows." And yes. by the way, go watch Love Actually. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to have to now. <laughs> hey, guys. So if you're going to get all the jokes or understand why we're crying, you can go watch Love Actually before the next review goes up. Right, Steve? Yes. Happy yeah. 50th. <laughs> Thanks for your support, everybody. <laughs> for late seating. This has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. Hey, Joe, get me a tarantula. (laughs) Okay, here you go. I was fucking kidding! Are you insane? Get that away from me! Where did you get this? Where are there tarantulas? This was just in my pocket. I keep (sighs) bugs and tarantulas in my pocket. Oh my god, Joe. Not for the movie studio. I just like them. I put my hands in my pockets. Go away from me. They crawl all over. No, I'm done. No, I'm getting closer. Go away from me. Here, I'm going to pull something else out. No, don't. I'm going to take a look at it. Don't tease me. Uh, You asked for a tarantula. You're getting one. You had to look. It was a joke. I was having a repartee. A what? We were were bantering. It was like a punchline. I thought a repartee was an exotic lizard. It's No, it's not. Joe. Are you sure? I heard you say something about rattlesnake earlier. Just, you yeah. want one of them? No. Oh, no. I gotta go to your trailer. Oh, okay. Is somebody please lock my trailer. No, it's too late. <laughs> Don't lock it. 
Oh, they'll just get angry. I need to get to your trailer. I need like five buckets. Oh my okay? god. Oh my god. Is that all right? Okay. Also, don't don't get in your car. <laughs> don't 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 go home. What? It really don't go home. No one really. All I did was ask you once for a tarantula. No one. Yeah. How could you? And I took that. To, I thought that meant we were brothers and oh. we like the same things. No. Things that have several legs or none that crawl all over your body when you lay naked in bed. Joe. Joe, yeah? I'm, I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to always remember it. You, okay. You have no brothers, okay? Oh, okay. You have no brothers, Joe. Now I want you All to right. go away. I want you to leave me, okay? Well, I'm leaving. I'm trying. My name's Joe Burton, okay. and one day my son Tim is going to be a big name in Hollywood, <laughs> oh, yeah, and he's right. going to put all the creepy things in his movies. You'll see. All right, Tim whatever. Burton, Bye, Joe. You remember that name, Tim Burton. Bye, Joe. Oh, crazy Joe. Bye, Joe. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Everybody. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And Thanks for listening.